Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. When we talk about holy, it's easy to get um, it's easy to get confused about what that word means. You know, uh, it's a word that most of us have heard, at least in some sense, but we don't necessarily always know what it means. And when we think of holy, we think of maybe uh, pictures or people like this. We've got a few pictures. All right, we've got some, uh, some saints here, you know. Um, number one uh, saint on the left is uh, saying, I got my fingers crossed. I don't know if we can trust him. You know, is he really truthful if he's got his fingers crossed? Um, and then, I don't know, somebody's getting ready to smack down there in the middle, and then we've got the saint there. But you think about people like that. I think there should be another picture or two. All right. He's uh, also saint fingers crossed. Can't trust him, I guess. But anyway, we'll see. All right. Next one. Joan of Arc. That's one a lot of us have heard of, whether we went to church or not. You know, she uh, was given sainthood, I guess. Then there's another how about this one? You know, somebody who's like really, really, you know, more modern, but, you know, she's got all the answers. She's been there at church. She, you know, she knows everything and she's the boss lady or that guy who's just really super faithful. And sometimes we'll give the name or the idea of being holy or being a saint to somebody like that. Well, not like that. You know, you get the idea. I'm kind of going in a general area direction. But somebody who just really seems to have it all together, who being a Christian is easy for. Are y'all, you know them when I'm stepping in here? Y'all following along with me on this? All right, I want you to turn and smack your neighbor just as hard as you can to wake them up. Are you? <laughs> we think of holy, we think of being a saint, and just so you know, those words in the Bible are based on similar words, hagios in the Greek. The word saint, the word holy, the word sanctify, which basically just means to make holy, uh, all those words are very similar and all very related. And when we hear those words, they can give these ideas of being really lofty and these unattainable goals and these people who maybe did all these uh, crazy things, maybe died for their faith or, or just like you said, more of a, in a modern sense of ladies or men who being a Christian just comes easy. Can you relate to thinking, looking at some people and thinking, man, I wish I was like that. I wish it just came easy for me, but it doesn't come easy for me. I, I, I see that in people. You know, I look at them like, I wish that I could be that. And we think, that's a saint. That's somebody that's holy. And then we can think of God in this holy way, this lofty, unattainable way. And there's good reason for that. If you would, uh, listen to Isaiah chapter 6. It's not going to be on your screen, but listen along. I want you to really focus. So maybe you close your eyes and listen to the words as they're being read. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple and above him were seraphim each with six wings with two wings they covered their faces with two they covered their feet and with two they were flying and they were calling to one another holy 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 is the lord almighty the whole earth is full of his glory and at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, 
For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. When Isaiah saw the holiness of God, he thought he was a dead man. So when you hear words like that, holy, and you hear passages like that where it's used, and it's, it's well, used well to explain the holiness of God, of how he's so far above and so set apart. And, and that's ultimately what the word means, hagias, holy. It means to be set apart. And that can carry a lot of different ways, a lot of different meanings, a lot of different levels of depth. But when you hear it and it's used to describe God in that way, can you imagine being in the throne room of God and seeing that and seeing these creatures that are above him, you know, with the six wings in there? flapping their wings and they're praising and they're calling out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Can you imagine being in the presence of God? Do you think your response would be the same as Isaiah? Do you think, man, I'm a dead man, I'm a dead woman? Is that possible that that would cross your mind? I hope it is because, man, that would be a terrifying thing to see, to get a glimpse into the presence of God. And so when it comes to holy kind of seem impossible, doesn't it? But there's good news. There's always good news with Jesus. If you are in Christ, you are holy. You're a saint. Everybody get that? If you're in Christ, you are holy, you are a saint. You don't have to be voted on by council, you know, you don't have to perform a, a posthumous miracle, you don't have to be the lady with the perfect attendance or the guy who does everything that the church offers, you don't have to be that, you are holy or a saint because you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, you are holy, you are a saint, and as much as I say that, as much as I repeat it, it's easy for us to walk out of here and still walk out with this idea, I can't be holy, I can't be a saint, but Hebrews chapter 13 verse 12 says, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify, guess what word that is? It's a form of the word hagios, make holy, the people through his own blood. That word sanctify, that word to make holy is the Greek hagiazo. And Jesus went to great lengths to make you and me holy. So if you're in Christ, I want you to think about this and I want you to say it. If you're in Christ, if you're Christian, if you've been covered by the blood of the Lamb, I want you to say this, I am holy. One, two, three. It's true. It's true. You are set apart for a purpose. And Jesus went to great lengths to make you holy. So let's not take it lightly, my friends. It goes on in Colossians chapter 1. The scripture is going to be on the screen here for us. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18 it says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Now listen to this. This is where it gets really pertinent to what we're talking about. Verse 19. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things, oh, excuse me, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. You see, Jesus 
died, his offering that took away wrath, as we talked about last week, his death on the cross, he died so that you could be holy and blameless. And that is like, the fact that we aren't jumping up and down right now is, is reason why we don't understand what we're talking about. Me included. Me included. Because try to, if you can, transport your mindset back to a first century Jew or somebody predating first century Jews. And you hear this idea of, okay, we're going to go to temple, we're going to go and worship, and there's going to be this, we can stand outside in certain places, there's going to be this huge veil that we talked about last week that an oxen on either side tied together couldn't pull apart and couldn't rip it. And, you know, there's going to be the high priest is going to offer blood and he's going to take it in one time and he's going to scatter it on the, the mercy seat, the seat of propitiation, the seat of atonement. And, you know, and God is hopefully going to accept our sacrifice and man, nobody else better even think about peeking into the area behind the curtain. And you do that over and over and over and over again. You know, you know, you say you love God, but the idea of a personal God, because He's so holy, is just mind-boggling. And now, on the opposite side, you and I have heard so much, at least in you know, this Western world especially, we've heard so much over and over and over and over again that God is my buddy that we don't even appreciate His holiness. And I want us to find the middle ground. I want us to understand and appreciate His holiness so that it overjoys us and causes us to rejoice because we can be holy and we can be draw, brought near. We used to be far and we used to be separate, but now we can be separate and apart from this world and close to God. And here's the thing. God knew that you and I would doubt our holiness. He knew. Because guess what? He's God. He knows some stuff. Guess what also? And I like to say this every now and then because I need to be reminded and you need to be reminded. He's God, you're not. And you say, well, of course, of course not. But how many of our decisions are made like we are God? How many of our choices are made like we are God? So he knew that we would still doubt our holiness. We would have the whole God complex, but without being holy and without believing that we're holy, without being that we're different, he knew that we would look at our weakness and he knew it would shout, Adam, you're not good enough. There's no way that God can love you. Because you know what you think about, you know what you do, you know what you say, you know what you call people behind their back. You know all the things that you do. You know all the things that you think. You are not holy. He knew that our weakness and our lies and our sin would just shout at us and scream at us. It would say, you're not different. You're not set apart. You're not Haggai. You haven't been made holy. So God, being God, in His wisdom, ties the Scripture together and he inspired the Apostle Paul to connect the ideas in our minds. You know, he said in verse 19 of what we just read, he said, All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus, who reconciled us to present us holy and blameless. So, so we got that part, right? It goes on. So God is saying, let me connect the dots for him. Watch what he says in chapter 2 of Colossians. That was chapter 1. He talked about the fullness of God, which was in Jesus, which... Jesus reconciled us so we could be what? Made holy and blameless. Look at chapter 2, verse 9. For in him, that's Jesus, 
the whole full, excuse me, fullness of deity dwells bodily. So he's bringing back that idea, right? The fullness of God is in who? It is. The whole fullness of God is in. If you ever are afraid of answering a question at church, 99% of the time it's Jesus. You know, you might get it wrong every now and then, but most of the time you're going to be right. You say, Jesus. You know, unless somebody's like, what's your favorite color? Jesus! And you just look either simple or really spiritual. I don't know which one it is. But the answer is Jesus. The fullness of God is in Jesus, in him. And it goes on, it says, and you have been filled in him. Who has been filled in him? Us, the church. You, you were right. You got it right this time. It wasn't Jesus that time. I'm sorry, I tricked you. Ha! Make the switch. But you have been filled in him, or depending on the translation, you have been given fullness in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him, that is Jesus, you've been right this time, also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, I don't know if, if you caught the depth and the beauty of what just happened here. But he talks about the fullness of God in chapter 1, and then he comes back and he mentions the fullness of God in chapter 2. And the very next statement out of his mouth is, you know, out of the mouth of God through Paul, is you... If you're a you, raise your hand. You have been given fullness in God, and he goes on and tells you explicitly exactly how and when. He says, you have been given fullness in God when Jesus did the circumcision on your heart. When he took and cut away your sin and your shame and everything you've done wrong and everything that kept you from being holy, everything that kept you outside the veil, outside of the tent, outside of the place of meeting, everything that kept you, Jesus cut it away, and he gets real specific. He says he did it when you were baptized into Christ. When you were raised through your faith, brought to new life, you died to your old self, he cut it away, and you were raised through your faith and brought to be a new person through your faith in God and through his powerful working. This is good news. This is fantastic news. He is so making this point. He's saying, you can look back, if you've been obedient to my word, you can look back and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are holy, my friends. You have the fullness of God in you. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to question. And if you look back, you're like, well, I haven't done that. All you got to do is do that. And you can be holy. It's not, see, he compares it. He, he uses circumcision because there was issues going on. There were people who were Jews who became Christians who were coming in and finding these new Christian brothers and sisters who were Gentiles, and they were telling those Gentile Christians, well, you're a Christian, great, but you also need to be circumcised. You need to have, you know, snip dip thing going on. I don't want to get into too much detail, but most of us know what that is. And he said, you have to do that if you're going to be a faithful Christian. He's saying, look, no, you know about that physical circumcision that people do? where they cut away skin, he said, Jesus did that on the inside to you when you were baptized into Christ. And man, that's powerful stuff. 
He's saying they can, they can make that connection, that visible, physical connection. It's like, at that point, he filled me up and made me whole. He made me holy. Man, I don't know about y'all, but that, that gets me fired up. The fact that I can know because all my lies and all the enemy's lies shout and scream in my head, you're not good. You're not holy. And by myself, I'm not. And that's the beauty of it. He makes that connection between the physical works of the law that they used to do, the circumcision of the foreskin of the males, and he ties it into work that Jesus does. Our work will always fail, won't it? But the work of Jesus, that will save you. And he says that Jesus does the work at baptism, and he cuts away your old sinful self he makes you whole. He raises you to new life. He puts that old you to death first. He forgives. He makes you alive. And I love it because it doesn't depend on our accuracy. It doesn't depend on our goodness. It doesn't depend on our effort. It's by His grace through our faith in Him. When we trust Him enough to meet Him on His terms, how He says that He is God and who's not? We're not. When we trust him, he does what he says every time. And he is so faithful and he's so good. His grace is sufficient. So we become in Christ, in him, when we're baptized, the fullness of Christ, holy and blameless. But there's a question. We like to do as little as possible and get all the rewards, right? I, I'm on Instagram and, you know, I... I get looking at stories sometimes and it kind of is a rabbit hole and you know there's an algorithm and so once you click on and really spend time on one it's going to show you multiple things just to be real honest with you guys um i'm old i'm getting older some of y'all would call me young but i'm old to a lot of people and regardless of what you think about how old i am my body tells me that i'm old pretty frequently you know i've gotten a little bit better in shape and so that's better so that's better but you know what most of the things in my stories are it's physical ailment rehab <laughs> stuff. All these people do these videos of like, do this to work out your hamstrings and loosen up your hamstrings. And is your lower back sore? I mean, and it's young people do it. It's like, you don't even, you don't even know pain. But thank you for showing me. And, and so that's most of my stuff. But one of the things I've, I've gotten sucked into, and I don't know why, I don't ever research them and try to look into it, but is how, you know, side gigs, you can make $1,000 in a week for 20 minutes of work. And they tell you, it's I'll watch them just because when I'm bored, you know, they'll say, oh, you do this. Well, you hold one leg up and you go to this website and you hold an antenna out in the air and you'll get $1,000 sitting in your bank account. I mean, it's like crazy stuff. And there's like 12 steps you know, to it. But here's the thing. We want to do what's easy and want all the goodness to come to us. And while we're saved by God's grace and it doesn't depend on our effort or accuracy, do you think do you think that it's enough to just be a Christian and then never follow Jesus again? No. It's not just kick back and relax. What we have to do is that we can be, know that if we've met Jesus in baptism, we can know that we're holy in God's sight. But is that it? Do we just lay back and, and chill once we're a saint? Because we're a saint once we become a Christian. And there's that real tendency for us to do the easy thing or do nothing and want all the blessings. But once we become a Christian, we can't just stop there. 
just as baptism is new birth, we want our children to grow after they're born, right? And when we become a new baby in Christ, once we're baptized, we need to continue to grow. Baptism isn't a finish line, it's a starting line. It's a starting line of a more real and deeper journey with Jesus. And the Bible spends a lot of time challenging us to grow up. It really does. And correspondingly, we don't always spend that much time growing up in our faith. But the Bible spends a lot of time challenging us to grow up. And as we say here at Movement, we call that we keep moving. We keep moving and growing closer to Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, it says this, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. The body has been given people to lead and help us to grow so that we can all do what? Grow up. We can all grow up. So we're called to grow up. And Jesus, he makes us holy when we become a Christian. But, wait, there's more. Wait, there's more. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says this, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. He goes on. He says, but as he who called you is holy, so you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So what is that telling us? He's saying, seek holiness. He says, be obedient. Don't be ignorant anymore. I don't know if parents would ever say that anymore, but, you know, parents, especially like my parents and stuff, they would tell you you were being stupid. They would. They, you know, you are so ignorant. <laughs> they would say sometimes. Maybe it was just my parents. I don't know. But no, I mean, I knew it wasn't. But sometimes we need to be told, hey, you don't know what you don't know, and you need to stop being ignorant, stop doing the same things. You know, um, we stop little children from going and sticking forks into electrical sockets. Because we want them to know what it's going to do. And, you know, after two or three times of going doing the same thing, we're going to get a little more intense about how we try to stop them. It's like, don't be ignorant anymore. And what we're told here is don't be ignorant. Don't go and do the ignorant things you used to do. You know better now. Start doing what I've called you to do. He goes on to verse 17. It says, and if you call on him as father who judges impartially, According to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Now, we've said this before, but we want to say it again. A big price, big price was paid to make you and I holy. Am I right? The precious blood of Jesus to make you set apart, to make you, to help you be sanctified. And it goes on in verse 22. He says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. 
I love how he weaves all those little allusions to, to baptism in there because he wants to bring you back to that point where you know that you became holy. You know that you've received the fullness of God. And it sounds like, though, the answer to our original question, is it enough to just become a Christian and just chill and do nothing? Or do we have to continue to seek holiness? I think the answer is what? A resounding no. There's so much more. We chase after God. We want to be holy. We want to be more set apart. So he says, just as he who called you is what? Holy. So you be holy in all you do. It's enough for me to pound this into your head for a few minutes. And enough for me to pound it in my own head and say, yes, I need to be holy. But it would be very easy for you and me to walk out of here not having a real understanding of what we can actually do to become more holy like God, more set apart. That would be easy to do, wouldn't it? So I want to look at just a few things in these next few verses that will help you understand what it looks like to be set apart, holy, or a saint. First Peter chapter 2 verse 1. He says, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Okay. That sounds pretty easy. Two seconds on Facebook and you're bashing everybody, whether it be to your spouse or your friends or whatever, or you're doing it online. I mean, you know, it's so difficult to do those things. So here's a few things. We want to summarize it. We've got a list of them here. Number one, check your heart. Malice, is a good way to describe that, is just evil intent. Check your heart. What is driving your decisions? What is your main feeling a lot of times? Check your heart. See if there's malice in you and try to get it out. That helps you become more holy. Number two, check your honesty. What did he say there in the passage? Get rid of all malice and all deceit. Check your honesty. Is your first response to tell a little white lie? You ever notice that, that it's easy to fall into that pattern? Of You're not like trying to be dishonest, but you, you can say what you think people want to hear really quickly. And it starts to de devolve into every part of your life. And so check your honesty. Are you being an honest person in the way that you answer? Is your yes, yes, and your no, no. The third one he says there, he says, uh, put away all malice, all deceit, and all hypocrisy. Check your integrity. A good way to define integrity is who you are when no one else is looking. Are you the same person when people aren't around as you are when everybody's watching? That's your integrity. Check your integrity. That helps you become more holy. Number four, he says, uh, all hypocrisy and envy. Check your motives. Are you just envious of people? Are you envious of what they have and what they've done and you spend all of your time that's your driving force is to just try to be better or have what other people have. You're envious of what they have. I'm telling you, that will not allow you to be holy. It will own you and it will eat you alive. Then he says, check your tongue, he says, and all slander. Be careful, little mouths, what you say. It's so easy to run other people down. And um, I don't want to, you know, hammer on us as the church, but... People outside will slander people all the time of the church, but then when we get to be a part of the church, we can still slander people, but we call it prayer requests. <laughs> oh, pray for them. They are struggling. Here's what they're doing. You know, it, it happens everywhere. It's a temptation that all of us can fall in. Make sure that we're not slandering people, and not just people inside the church. Hopefully, you don't do that. You know, I I don't think that's a big rampant thing at our church. I mean, we're human, so it's, it's going to be some. I don't think that's a big, huge thing in our church. 
But how about the people outside the church? Do you slander all them stupid people who don't know Jesus and forget that you once too were a stupid person who didn't know Jesus? He said, don't live in that ignorance like you used to. Watch your tongue. Moving on. Look at verse 2. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. The next one is this. Crave the word of God. That helps you become holy. Get into and crave the word of God. And I'm not going to lie. Can I be honest with you for just a second? All right, I'll lie. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. When you first start to read God's Word, whether it be the first, for the first time or when you haven't done it in a while, Netflix is vastly more entertaining at first than the Bible. I'm just being honest. You push a button and it tells you all kinds of stories. You know? I mean, it's... And so you read the Bible one time, you're like, man, this is boring. It's not going to happen overnight, but the more you try to feed yourself and you starve yourself from some of that Netflix stuff that you replace some of this Bible with, the more you'll hunger and thirst for God's Word because it will get into you and not just go in one ear and out the other, and you will start to thirst for it and crave for it like a newborn baby would for pure spiritual milk, but that is going to take some work and effort, becoming holy, being set apart, but do that, seek that with all you have. It won't happen, boom, it won't happen with the push of a button. It's going to be a struggle, it's going to be a wrestle, but it will happen for you and you'll begin to crave it. Verse 5, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Here's the next one, be a priest. Here's another thing that we sort of forget. Just like holy, we think of holy as somebody lofty and somebody who's got all the answers. Every single one of us, if we're a Christian, is called to be a priest of God. I, I don't have more responsibility to fulfill my part of the kingdom than anybody else. All of us have a responsibility to do our ministry for the kingdom of God. My role might be different than yours, but you've got a role and you need to be fulfilling it. Be a priest of God. He says, be a priest of God who offers uh, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. When he wrote this, when Peter wrote this inspired by the Holy Spirit, he didn't write this to just the leaders, he wrote this to the church. All of them were to be a holy priesthood. And so I just ask you this question. If you're a priest, are you sacrificing anything? In your life, are you sacrificing anything that's holy and acceptable to God? Look at verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. He says it again, right? In case you wanted to say, he's probably not talking to me, but he's talking to you. A holy nation, there's that word again, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The next one, I just say this, to be holy is talk about him. Talk about him. Tell the story of how you used to be in darkness and now you're in light. And if you don't feel like, man, I'm completely out of the darkness, you can tell that part too. It's like God is working on me. He's working through me. He's working in me. Tell people your story. You don't have to necessarily have to get up here to do that. 
but tell your story as you're going to work, as you're going to school, when you're at home. Tell the story until you're tired of hearing about it. Because people need to hear your story and how Jesus has changed you and brought you from darkness into light. Talk about Him. Look at verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. Now, I worded this really spiritually, this next one. Stop doing dumb stuff. And I need this... I need a hammer to bang this into my skull. Stop doing dumb stuff. Now, do you see where I got that from the passage? It's, you know, I word it very eloquently. But what it said right there is, keep, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. The sins that we commit are trying to what? Kill us. War is not a big game of tag, is it? When countries get into war, they are trying to kill people. And the things that are out there that you are trying to destroy you are not trying to just, you know, slow you up a little bit or improve your life a little bit. Look, but I want it. it. It's not trying to help you. It's trying to kill you. So stop doing stuff that's dumb that's going to try to kill us. I'm preaching that myself just as much as I'm preaching it. Y'all, don't get offended and all high mighty or anything. All of us struggle with doing dumb stuff. Don't do what kills you over and over and over again. One time, you can get caught off guard. Two times, maybe even get caught off guard. But the third and the fourth and the fifth and the one thousandth, it's a decision. Stop doing dumb stuff. Verse 12. Here's where it gets really important. Not more important, but just really important. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And I just simply said, live an irrefutable life. Seek with all of your heart to live an irrefutable life. What does it say? People are going, when you become a Christian, everybody's going to love you. Is that what it said? It, said they're, it basically said they're going to lie about you. and They're going to say bad things about you. Do your best to make sure they aren't true. Do your best to make sure they aren't true. And when you're doing your best to make sure they're not true, the truth will come out and they'll glorify God in the end because of your life. That may seem unattainable, but that's why it's called becoming holy. That's why it's called being sanctified, the process, sanctification, the process of becoming holy and set apart. That's why we think about these things and do these things. Jesus makes us holy in his sight. But then it's our goal to bring the inside out to the outside, like we talked about last week in week four. Live in such a way that the lies won't stick, that they'll eventually see God in you. And see, there's so many things. There's so many things that we can seek to do holiness, but it can be summed up in this passage. Here, I want to sum it up. So if you fell asleep, listen to this part. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship do not be conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what the, is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect and if I could sum that up even more it's this be 
a sacrifice. Be a sacrifice. Be a sacrifice. Now, why am I hammering that in? I know most of us aren't truly familiar with a real sacrifice, but I think we know enough about it. When that animal, when that sheep, if you will, was set apart or made holy as a sacrifice, did they put it on the altar, and then a few moments later, it gets up and it goes frolicking around in the pasture. Man, are y'all alive today? Y'all can't tell me that's not a, at least a shameful laugh. Just, can you believe this guy has no self-esteem enough or doesn't care enough? I mean, at least something. Thank you. But does that sacrifice, does that lamb get off of the altar and go and frolic in the pasture and nibble and munch on grass? Because what happens to that sacrifice? It's killed, it dies. Now, the, the rub here is that Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says that you should be living sacrifices. But the end result is the same. If you've been set apart and been made holy, you are to stay with your life on the altar at all times. Now that doesn't mean that you just come to church and you just lay on your chair. Because church isn't where it's all at. We come together, we worship God, but we go out and we're still what? The church. We're still on the altar. And so every moment of our life should be on the altar for Christ. Everything that we do, every conversation, we should say, God, help it to glorify you. Every day we're at work, help it to glorify you. Every time we're with our family, help it to glorify you. Live every moment on the altar. Because every sacrifice in the Old Covenant was totally dedicated to being a sacrifice. And you and I are too. So be different. Be set apart. Jesus made you holy. So be holy. I want you to think about a couple of things as we wrap this message up this morning. What's keeping me from being holy? What's one thing that's keeping me from being holy? Maybe you need to do that step of baptism because you haven't been made full in Christ. And you haven't been raised through your faith in the power of God. So maybe that's your first step. You've got to do that one before any other, because the rest is just your work and your effort trying to, to save you, and that's not going to happen. We've already established that. But what is your step to becoming holy? Maybe for you, you've done that first part, but you need to say, okay, God, I need to be focused on my words. I need to be focused on my thoughts, as that first part of this passage said. Well, go down that list of many things we had there that we can start to peer towards. But ultimately, what is going, what am I going to do that's going to help me become more holy like God? So that people can see him in me. And then let's consider another thing. What do I need to stop doing that's keeping me from being holy? What has become more important to me than my God has saved me by his blood on the cross? That I know I should give up, and it's one of those dumb things that I do. It's keeping me from being holy and set apart so that people can see Jesus in me. Those are your two decisions to make. Those are your two things to think about. We're going to worship together. I'll be off to the side for a few moments, and if you need somebody to pray with, please come and talk with me and pray with me, and we'll talk about what you need to do. But let's give everything to Him. What do we need to start?
As always, we want to invite you to connect with us here at Movement Church. Uh, we want to give an opportunity for all of us. If you're online, you can actually go to our website and find a connect card to fill out there as well. Um, but if you're here in person as well, you can get a paper connect card or you can do it on our church app as well or on online. But we want to just find out a little information about you to get to know you better and let you know about all that God wants to do through you and in you. So I am excited to let you know about this because what we do is for the very first time card that you uh, turn in, we donate on your behalf to a local organization. Right now we're doing uh, Hodge Road Elementary again. We're going to give some school supplies to these kids. And then the second time we'll also donate on your behalf as well and give you a little gift to take home. Um, in that card on the inside is something for everybody. There's a QR code that you can scan and that you can uh, see about some facts and things that are going on in our church. You'll see about the two new baptisms, and I've been told we have a video we can show in just a few moments before we take off today. So you can see about how many people have been baptized, uh, new people that are serving, our giving numbers, our attendance, all that sort of stuff. You can kind of see what's going on, and there's usually going to be a couple of different um, announcements that you can sign up for different things. There's a men's retreat coming up that is on there right now, so if you check that out, you'll see that. And also a ladies, um, I forgot what it's called, a ladies, uh, soul care, thank you, I lost the word. Ladies, soul care, you can do that as well. I want to tell you to put something else on your mind, on your calendar, okay? May 22nd, 5 p.m. on a Sunday night, we're going to have a worship and vision night. And that leads me to the idea of our generosity time. Because what we're going to do is we're going to get together and we're going to dream and talk about and worship God and talk about the future of our church family. Um, we believe God's got a lot of big things in store and so we want everybody to be all in. So I ask you to put that on your calendar if at all possible. If you care about the future of movement and see where God wants to take it, we ask you to make plans to be there that night. It's going to be a great night. It'll be from about 5 to about 6, 6.30. It'll be a good time. Still give you time to get dinner with some friends or family or all that sort of stuff. It'll be a good night of worship and praise and just seeing and praying about all the good things that God's going to have in store for that. You can give online at movementchristianchurch.com slash give. You can give on our church app. You can give in our offering box on the way out of the back. Uh, I know we've got these videos, so let's watch them really quickly. I'm excited to see this. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. We, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Premature baptism. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All right so, uh, everybody here knows Evan, and uh, he's been talking for a while about uh, wanting to become a Christian, wants to be baptized, and so uh, he did the study that we like to share with kids uh, so they can go through and they read scriptures and they figure out what uh, really means to be baptized, and um, one of the things that is, is beautiful about God and his grace is that there's never a point where we know enough, you know? There's never a point where it's like, hey, we know all the answers and, you know, we're good. And so the, the beauty of it is he's got the understanding of, like, he wants to give his life to Jesus. He wants to be forgiven of his sins and ultimately he wants to live with Jesus forever. Amen? Isn't that right? And so uh, one of the things that is up to us as church family, for anybody who gets baptized, whether they be nine or 900, <laughs> you know, whatever, <laughs> Is, uh, is we want to continue to help each other grow. And, right. and so 
He's going to start his journey with Jesus today, and it's up to us to continue to help him along the way. There's going to be times when he's got doubts and worries and fears, but who in the world doesn't have those? You know? and so we're going to encourage him. We're going to help him. And uh, today we're going to witness him being born again. And uh, it's, it's an exciting thing when a young person wants to follow Jesus because he doesn't want to go far away from God. So from day, day one, he wants to belong to him. So I'm going to get you to repeat after me. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. Son of the living God, and I want him to be my Lord and my Savior. Right, Evan, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, how are your days been going so far? That makes it all better, right? All right, God is good. Let's stand, let's pray together for the dismiss. Father, I pray blessings over your church. God, I pray that each of us would go out of here realizing that if we are in Christ, we are holy in your sight. And God, it's a challenge to try to become holy like you, to, to give over the old parts of ourselves that are still here until you come and redeem us completely, Father, and take us home. But God, help us to seek after holiness and to become more and more like you so that people can see you through us and in us so they too can have that holiness that only you can give. We love you, Father, and we thank you for everything that you do. God, I pray for blessings on your church as we go out and be your church. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You have a great day. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.